hope is a big part of success. And when you see that hope coming to realization, to fruition, when you see someone else believing in you, that hope is realized much faster with greater impact. And it's, that vision becomes reality in its true form. Welcome to Curated Conversations, a podcast discussing real-world issues of equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. I'm your host, Shaliza Jamal, founder of Curated Leadership, an organization that fosters partnerships with individuals and companies to develop their knowledge in the areas of equity and diversity to build inclusive communities. I'm excited to be joined today by Nerman Ismail. Nerman's passion lies in empowering young women from the developing world through education, which is what led her to establish the Spark of Hope Foundation in 2014. Her focus has been on establishing a network of on-ground partners, as well as partnerships and co-funding arrangements with universities around the world. She's attracted a growing pool of donors necessary to support the next generation of female leaders. Over nine years, the foundation has provided 219 scholarships to university-level students from 31 countries, studying at 63 universities worldwide at the bachelor's, master's, professional PhD levels. Nerman is the recipient of the Outstanding Women Leadership Award by the World Women Leadership Congress in 2015 in Mumbai, the International Alliance for Women World of Difference 100 Award in Washington in 2015, the RBC Top 25 Canadian Immigrant Award in 2016, and the Town of Markham and the Social Service Network's International Women's Day Award in 2018. In 2021, Nerman was awarded the Meritorious Service Medal from the Governor General of Canada. Nerman is an immigrant from Kenya and has a BA in psychology and an MBA. Welcome, Nerman. I'm really excited to have you joining us today for Curated Conversations, episode 16. Uh, please tell our listeners a little bit about you and what inspired you to start the Spark of Hope Foundation. How did it all begin? Thank you for having me on this uh, on this podcast, Shalise. I really appreciate uh, the 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 invite to speak to your uh, listeners. I was at a crossroads in my life and uh, had been invited to join another small foundation to help young women in Palestine get uh, access to university education. A few months later, I was encouraged to start my own foundation. But when we started the foundation, we started with no money, uh, no connections. It was just uh, an aspiration to develop the next generation of women leaders, like you suggested. We were very blessed that um, very quickly we got our registration and our charitable status. Uh, and before the end of the first year, we were supporting 25 students. Wow, that's amazing. Really, really amazing. And, you know, you've talked about this idea of giving folks an opportunity, getting some, some donors to support students, especially women in uh, countries that they may not have access to this education. What countries do you currently serve uh, and how did you kind of source those countries? If you could tell me about that, like was it through partnerships you had in the past or how did you identify the need? So it was interesting through um, 
through some friend networks, we um, we were offered uh, two scholarships for two Syrian students. Our first two students were Syrian, um, and this is when Syria was going through a lot of turmoil. Um, and they got offered scholarships to go to Bangladesh for their undergrad studies. Um, these students had never been out of Syria, had never been out of their region, and we enlisted the support of uh, an on-ground partner in Lebanon to help us out with uh, with getting the students over. That's how we started our on-ground partnership uh, track uh, to, to see where we could get some on-ground supporters to help us out uh, with different logistics. That on-ground partner then has um, has become a, a full-grown partner with us, and we help together. We help students in Lebanon. These are Palestinian refugees who are living in refugee camps, and are given an opportunity to go and become women leaders uh, in their communities and and also diaspora. But the first two students were from Syria. We expanded our reach to other countries as well, and we had a partnership with the Khan University in Karachi, where we, where we helped students. Um, they were master's level students in education, and um, they were leaders in themselves, but they needed a, an extra push for themselves to become future leaders for the community. So they would become train the trainers, they would become headmistresses uh, at different uh, educational institutions. And I'm so proud to see that they're making huge, huge impact uh, in the northern areas of Pakistan. Most of these students that we helped were from the northern areas of Pakistan, very remote communities, and um, they've made huge impact to the point that we are now supporting some of the students that have gone through the first round um, of educational support for their masters. Um, so coming back to your question, the countries that we operate in are, are areas of difficulty. So we're, we're helping students in Syria, we're helping students from the northern areas of Pakistan where, where women don't often get the, the educational opportunities to go to university. Um, we've got students from all over the world. I remember our first PhD student came from South America and you'd ask, well, where in South America? And it was a student who was already at a university in Switzerland, but because she was expecting her second child, um, her scholarship did not cover the expenses um, that she would have to bear uh, while she was expecting her second child. And I saw this as a very unjust way of things to do. And we supported this wonderful individual who is now in Singapore uh, teaching at a university. She was doing um, a lot of math and international finance related work, a subject that was not very common for a woman to pursue at that time. So in, in the students come from all over the world, but mainly areas of conflict, mainly areas where they would not necessarily get the right opportunities to go to university, or even if they did get the opportunities, they didn't have the funding available to go to university. 
You know, I love that. And then there's two things you said I really want to point out, especially for our listeners. One was that you had on-ground partnerships. And this is so important when we talk about even the greater conversation about allyship and support and giving back. Sometimes folks think they're just going to donate or put in place programs or, or services for communities without actually knowing what the climate is on the ground without actually having people there who actually know what folks need. And so I think it's so important for us to hit that home that you have on ground support teams or partnerships who can tell you what these students need, right? What these women are needing and what the climate's like. That's the first thing I think is really important what you said. And the second was, I heard you say that some of the women are going back to their home countries and giving back and really achieving success and giving back to their community. I think that's a really uh, very important aspect of of the work that they're doing and the work that you're supporting them do. So I just wanted to highlight those two points that that really stuck out for me. Thank you. Thank you. No, we have students that do come to Canada, a handful of them. They might decide to stay here. I remember one student who came from the Palestinian refugee camps uh, in Lebanon did her undergrad at the American University of Beirut. Uh, we managed to um, help her out with the scholarship uh, to Carleton University. And this is in the field of engineering. This, bless her heart, wonderful young woman uh, is now uh, working for um, a great firm in, in Canada, in Ontario. Um, she is now married. Uh, she found a life partner and she has a little baby. And I know that even though she lives in Canada, her heart still goes out to the students back in those refugee camps and in her own way has helped many of them try and um, achieve their own goals or dreams of getting a good education to, to get out of the cycle of poverty. That's a wonderful story. And it must, you know, warm your heart to see such success and also thinking about that giving back again. I'm wondering if you could speak to some of the challenges, and you did mention a few, that young women face in generally, perhaps in those areas of conflict that you mentioned, some of the challenges they face, some of the alternatives, and also how Spark of Hope addresses the challenges that it may be facing. Well, we see a lot of inequality in 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 the world, um, and gender issues are being addressed slowly, uh, but not fast enough. So we see ourselves as helping these students rise to their own potential, or even higher than they think they can achieve. Um, and there are challenges. There's always challenges, and especially for women in the world. Women have always been marginalized. Um, I'm not saying all women have been marginalized, but uh, the disadvantaged area women have been marginalized a lot more. So areas of strife, areas of conflict, uh, we'll see a lot more women being encouraged to to give up on their dreams and and get married and, and look after the household. Um, and what we're trying to do is encourage these bright young women to become the the new leaders of tomorrow. They're the ones who are going to get their community, their families and their communities out of that cycle of poverty that they might be uh, enduring. Challenges can be 
they could be social, they could be financial. Um, lots of challenges exist. It's what we what we try and do is identify those challenges that these women are facing. It's interesting how we come across these women. They're bright, bright young women, uh, and I'm not. And I, you know, it's every woman has the right to education. But what I'm what I'm saying is, they don't always have the same opportunities uh, as men do in in pursuing higher education. And I think with today's meritocratic society, they have much more opportunity to make a difference in the world. All we need to do is give them that spark. So the challenge is not being able to put food on the table for the families, not being able to put food on the table, not being able to give that young girl an opportunity financially um, to go and pursue her dream. Higher education is expensive anywhere you look, but then there are scholarships available and we work with multiple universities around the world to see what they can give that student. Um, and sometimes the student will will achieve that on her own. And then the university will come to us and say, okay, we've given this student so much. How can you partner with us to, to close the gap, the funding gap? Um, so there are many ways that these challenges, and I, and I know you want me to talk about specific challenges. There are numerous challenges. Students from the global south, which is where we concentrate, do not face any different challenges than, for example, a student from Canada. But if a student has the residency for Canada, then they will have access to funding to get them to the next level of education. In these strife and conflict-ridden countries, that access to funding is not always available. And so we, we try and select students who have already done some of the work in trying to find some funding, um, and then we help them out with the rest of the funding. Challenges can be societal as well, because I, I, I've known of many cases and I've heard of many cases, and the students uh, tell this to us as well, that you know they have to give up on something at home to be able to pursue their dreams. And it only works if the family is is going to give them the support, if, for example, the father is not on board, we know it's not going to happen. So we try and encourage, uh, we try and also work through the student to make sure that the family is aware of the sacrifices they're making, but it's also an investment in the student. So it's it's not just uh, giving them money, but it's also an educational process in making sure that this investment has high return for the family and for the community. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Aside from the funding, are there mentorship opportunities or other upskilling opportunities for the women who take part in the Spark of Hope Foundation's programming? So we've got students, like you had mentioned earlier, at uh, the undergrad, grad, and even postgrad levels. If the student comes in at the the undergrad or the master's level, um, we make sure that we we work with them to to encourage them to go to their highest potential. So if they've uh, they've pursued an undergrad degree with a scholarship from us, uh, we will encourage them. We will follow them. We will encourage them to go for their masters. 
we like them to do their own research. We like them to do their own self-discovery um, to see what works best for them. And and you can see when we when we support these students, you can see the passion with which they want to make a difference to the world. You know, we, this is what we look for in our interviews. We look for that that spark that that we can help um, ignite for them to make sure that you know they they visualize themselves ten years from from the day we have that conversation to say, okay, what what am I going to be doing ten years from today? Am I going to be going back to uh, to my home or my village and and working at home, or am I going to be helping my community improve? And, and so that's what we look for because we look for the women that are going to become potential leaders. I hope that answers the question. Absolutely, and it actually sparks another question I have for you. In your opinion, what role does an inclusive and equitable quality post secondary education play? in uplifting underserved communities, especially in those areas of conflict that you mentioned earlier? That's not an easy, easy answer, but, but we have found that when these students excel, um, the doors will open for them. For example, we had supported a student um, at the master's level in sustainable studies at York University and she went back to her home country, Pakistan. She worked with an NGO for a couple of years and and then wanted to do her PhD. To our delight and, and to her delight as well, she had offers of PhDs from different countries. She had a PhD offering from Switzerland. She had a PhD offering from England. She had a PhD offering from the, U- from the USA. And she is currently pursuing her PhD at Duke University in sustainable studies and mountain studies, because she comes from an area in the northern areas of Pakistan that that needs more emphasis on how to how to solve some mountain society issues. How do you make that area sustainable? It's a huge, huge, hugely populated area, and how do you make it safe? for the people living there to live comfortably, safely, and also make a living and and get out of that cycle of poverty that they've been exposed to for so long. So it's, you know, it's one of our, our, our star pupils or rather star students who is doing so much more. She's invited to conferences to speak about her research. Uh, she was invited even before she started her, her PhD. Uh, and it was wonderful to see what an international student she's become with the thinking she has of how to make the world a better place. We haven't met since she's come to the USA. Uh, we're hoping to meet this year. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing her again, just to capture that that enthusiasm that she has for, for making a, a, the world a better place. I love that story. And it's back to what we talked about earlier, giving back to community and this idea of learning and sharing that learning um, and, you know, building that knowledge society and, and I think sharing that knowledge with others. So I think that's really, really important. Thank you for sharing that. Now, Spark of Hope Foundation has supported a total of 219 scholars in over nine years. Am I correct? That's right. Wonderful. Congratulations on that amazing accomplishment. That is fascinating. It's wonderful. And it must be so inspiring to see 
So many bright young scholars pursue their aspirations despite, you know, experiencing challenging circumstances as they've grown up. Can you share, you know, one or two stories of young women who have received scholarships, much like the story you just shared, and have gone on to become leaders in their communities or within their fields? Actually, there are a few. The the students that I mentioned earlier, the ones that come in from the northern areas of Pakistan to do their master's in, uh, in education, they're learning new pedagogy at the Aga Khan uh, University, uh, the Institute of Educational Development uh, in Karachi. When they go back to their villages and their communities, they're changing pedagogy when they go back. It's not just rote learning. It's inquiry-based learning. And it's opening so much more for the students who are studying in this new pedagogy in this new environment of uh, it's okay to ask a question um, and you will not be reprimanded for uh, asking, uh, um, I'm going to put it in quotes, silly question. There's no such thing as silly questions. Um, And and so you see these young uh, boys and girls in the northern areas of Pakistan who are so inspired to learn And also learn about gender equity, that it's okay to have female students, um, you know, study as well as male students. Um, I know we're having issues, as you know, in in Afghanistan and other parts of the world where women are not encouraged to to study. But this is an area in the northern areas of Pakistan that's just changing the way young women think. Uh, and, and I know one of them, as I mentioned earlier, one of them came back to me and she's now going for her master's level studies. And she said, if my teacher can inspire me to study, can you imagine what I can do to my students? Uh, and that sort of got me to say, this is somebody who is a, a true leader, who sees herself giving back to her community, to getting her community to be a more enriched community. I I love the way things are changing. The world is evolving. You know, there's more access to worldwide communication, but there are parts of the world that don't have that communication as available as we do. Um, But it's it's still so heartening to see that, you know, there are communities that want to better themselves, that want to get out of the cycle of poverty, that want to sustain themselves for a better life for their for their children and their grandchildren. And on that note, I would love to know a little bit about how you and your team at Spark of Hope measure their impact in terms of long-term transformational changes or combating gender-based inequality, which you spoke about, or discrimination that's occurring in developing nations. We haven't done any straight analysis. We're we're on um, on the cusp of of doing some true analysis with some volunteers of what is the difference uh, that has been made in these women's lives, in their families' lives. What has the education that we've helped them get changed for them in in their lives? We have anecdotal matrices of success. We know anecdotal what the student has been able to achieve and what she's been able to achieve others uh, achieve as well, uh, which is another thing that um, we encourage. 
Um, we don't ask the student to pay back their scholarship, but we do ask them uh, when they are able, when they are earning well, to try and support the foundation. And, and in the meantime, we encourage them to pay it forward. So we've got uh, a student in Pakistan again. She had gone to the Asian University for Women in, in Bangladesh, and that's where I had met her. And this young woman uh, has put off going for her master's studies because she wanted to encourage her siblings to get their undergrad education before she went and pursued her own master's. And the way she's thinking is she's got her brother who's educated in the IT field. She herself is in the IT field. And she wants to now open an enterprise with her sibling uh, as well as with others similar in um, in educational um, achievements to to open a firm that'll that'll serve the larger population on the in the IT field and, and she's also and I remember her mentioning this she's also helping some other students from her village um, even attend high school so she's paying it forward in her own way. It may be smaller, smaller amounts, smaller numbers, but she doesn't have to give back to the to the foundation to help others. She's she's doing it on her own, of her own volition. We never asked her to do this, but it was really heartening to see that when she when she talked to us, she says, "I, I want to do what you're doing, but I'm doing it in my own way." And, and I asked her more about it. And that's when she said she was supporting other high school students to finish their high school so that they know that the world is, is open for them to, for them to pursue their, their higher educational um, endeavors. Um, but, but these are the sort of small things that we measure to see how much is the student giving back to the community, what happened to the initial goal that the student had identified to us, and how passionate is she still about helping others and, and becoming true leaders? So it, it, our gauge in, in measuring the success uh, of our students is what are they doing for themselves and what are they doing for others to better life in the world. I love that because it's not all about numbers, especially for my work in the DEI space. It's not about <laughs> it's not about numbers, it's about impact and it's often long term. And I love that you mentioned paying it forward. And I'm seeing that the work that Spark of Hope is doing is providing confidence. Uh, you know, the funding is providing access to resources and opportunities, which is really what equity is about. And then giving back and paying it forward to community members and building that knowledge. That's all amazing. And I have a fun question for you. And I really want to know, what does Spark of Hope mean to you? And what is the importance of hope in our current climate? So maybe we'll start with, tell me what Spark of Hope means to you. Uh, spark of hope is is all about igniting that spark in the individual in this female students to ensure that they are able to realize their own potential often we as um, as women will underestimate or undervalue the amount of potential we have um, 
And, and I love igniting this little spark in these women to say, you are, you are enough. You are more than enough and go achieve your dream. A lot of times in these areas of conflict, uh, areas which are marginalized, women are told they're not enough and that they don't deserve to do what they dream. And, and igniting this little spark, providing this little spark, you know, it's an investment uh, by the universities, an investment by the on-ground partners, uh, it's an investment by the families themselves and by the, the foundation to make sure that the student has enough support, uh, both financially as well as um, psychologically, mentally, to be able to to pursue her dream, to be able to realize that vision. Um, it's not easy in today's world. It's a very meritocratic world. Um, and so that means um, the, the ones that really will succeed are these high aspirational students who realize that uh, they have it in them uh, to make it uh, a success. And I, I say an investment because it's not just spending the money on on the student. Um, it's it's an investment uh, in all aspects. So building on that, tell me about this importance of igniting that spark of hope or this importance of hope in our current climate. I think um, even before the pandemic, hope is a big part of success. And when you see that hope coming to realization, to fruition, when you see someone else believing in you, that hope is realized much faster with greater impact. And it's that vision becomes reality in its true form. Um, I feel, and I'm saying this personally as well, that when there is hope, there is hope for for success. There is hope to to uh, overcome despair, to overcome all sorts of other challenges that come one's way. Uh, when when especially when you're studying, and I know it happens even when you're working. Um, but when you're a young, vulnerable young woman, um, hope is is huge in in ensuring that there is success at the end. So I have one last question for you. And then if you'd like to share anything that I didn't ask you about, and that is to ask, what is your vision of the future for Spark for Hope? And what are some of your goals for the foundation? And then lastly, how can individuals engage with the foundation and get involved? So I'll start with your vision for the future. So our vision when we started the foundation was to help uh, about maybe two to three, maybe five students a year. We have way surpassed our vision. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, we're at 219 scholarships already. This year, we're hoping to award another between 20 and 25 scholarships. Our vision is to accelerate that pace because the need is there. Um, the need is very strong right now for young women to get access to quality education and to realize their potential to give back to the communities, um, to their own communities. I'm, you know, I'm seeing some students giving back to 
to their own countries. I, I know of a student who went to the University of Central Asia, um, and after she graduated, she was working with an organization who was helping make policy on tuna fishing in the Indian Ocean. And if you think about it, that's huge because the area that that it serves is uh, it's all the the Middle Eastern and the South Asian countries and making changes to huge policy like that for a young girl was was tremendous. I was really, really proud to see that she was that's what she was pursuing. Um, and of course, she is now doing her master's in sustainable studies as well. And I can see her making huge impact. So that vision that I I that we have at the foundation with the help of the board is a, a thousand students uh, within the next 10 years. It's a, a lofty vision, but I think we can achieve it. We've started to work with some um, corporations that, uh, that are starting to fund us. Um, our biggest challenge is funding because now we have the infrastructure. We have a great board to work with. We have the infrastructure at the board level to try and help more students with the help of the university partnerships that we have and the on-ground partnerships that we have. Our challenge, as I said, is funding. The funds that are donated to us are leveraged uh, between five and six times. Um, so, you know, there is huge impact in any donation that comes to us where we're a registered charity in Canada and a 501c3 in the U.S. In terms of vision, I see, and as I as we mentioned earlier in this uh, in this conversation about measuring um, impact, uh, we're on the cusp of of doing that uh, detailed anal analysis on on where the students are. What impact are they really making? And some of this impact is not measurable in numbers, but in in fact, um, we can measure the impact that they're having in the communities where they serve. Um, in terms of moving forward, we would love to see more um, more young professionals come and volunteer with us. We'd love to see them um, participate with us have discussions with us of where they can help these students uh, move forward as well. In terms of mentorship, we don't provide direct mentorships, but we would we would love to connect them with some of our students so that they can have their own conversations with these students to see where they can help the student achieve more than than she thinks she can. How else can they get involved? I think uh, a conversation, uh, a nice, a nice chat with with some of uh, um, your listeners uh, to get involved uh, would be great because um, more, you know, the more heads we have to think about uh, possible solutions and different ways to attack uh, these challenges uh, it is a great conversation. I know I enjoy meeting with each of our donors personally as well as on the phone or on Zoom, um, simply to get their 
their view of what it means to empower a woman to get an education. Thank you. So listeners, uh, you know, some ways that you can support are offering your expertise and your knowledge, donating, volunteering your time, perhaps mentorship opportunities, or being open to a virtual coffee chat with uh, folks at Spark of Hope Foundation or with some of their participants. So that's really what you can do. Now, uh, where can folks learn more about Spark of Hope Foundation and follow your work or donate? What is your website? And we'll put it also in the in the show notes as well. How can they get a hold of you, Nerman, and uh, if they want to donate or participate in volunteering? The best way is through our website. And the address is www.thesparkofhope.org. Um, and you have all the information there. We have our past annual reports there as well. Um, we have stories from our students there. There's a lot of information there, but if you're missing any information, we're happy to uh, to provide that. Uh, we were very fortunate with um, that with a lot of work that was done at the board level. We were uh, accredited by Imagine Canada uh, late last year. Um, and so with with that accreditation in place, with the board uh, support, we're hoping to achieve our goals of empowering more women to get uh, their education and, and make an impact, a huge impact uh, in the world. Thank you so much, Norman. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your passion and igniting, you know, the hope in me and in, in all the women and gender non-conforming and other folks who are listening to this podcast to really think about how they can give back, how can, they can be empowered to work alongside communities and, and give their expertise or, you know, donate. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Curated Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the podcast, subscribe and listen to past episodes at curatedleadership.com or wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the workshops Created Leadership offers or how can we can support you gaining a deeper sense of intercultural awareness, visit us on Instagram or our website at Curated Leadership. Thank you and I'm signing off.